This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and you're listening to the Powercat Pregame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. What Kansas State fans witnessed last Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium was nothing short of historic and unexplainable. Kansas State routes Oklahoma State, ninth-ranked Oklahoma State at the start of the game, 48 to nothing. And Oklahoma State was coming off a win in Stillwater over the Texas Longhorns. The Longhorns took a week off to watch Kansas State have its way with the Cowboys. And now they're headed to Manhattan, Kansas, where despite all I just said, Texas enters this game as a two and a half point favorite at the time of this taping. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and we've got a hour plus of entertainment, information, and analysis for you on today's show. The usual suspects are all lined up. We've got Ryan Wallace. The guy who covers recruiting at GoPowerCat.com and really tracks a lot of these Big 12 teams, he's on board first, as he always is. We've got a great player interview with the wonderful, one of my favorite guys on this team, Hayden Gillum. He's just so down to earth, and we'll catch up to Hayden at the end of this first part of the show. Then we'll take a break, and we'll go back in, and maybe we'll throw in a little King Felix for you. A little Felix Anyudike Uzama. He made a rare appearance at Tuesday's press conference after another strong performance, and he, too, will be a huge factor in this game for the Wildcats. And, of course, Brian Hanley, our football analyst, the former K-State player on the 97 and 98 teams, will join us as he always does for pre- and post-game podcasts. And then Ryan Gilbert will wrap it up with our Big 12 betting segment, breaking down the conference action and giving us his thoughts on not just K-State and Texas, but all around the league. And as I mentioned, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor, of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And let's get it rolling now, and let's bring in the one and only Mr. Ryan Wallace to talk about Texas and K-State, 6 p.m. on Saturday night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Wally, do you have any grasp on if Texas is really good and just kind of barely not winning, or they're just kind of Texas, but they're 5-3 and three version of Texas, if that makes sense? I think they're I think they're the same old Texas fits. I do too. I, I I really do. I think that um I think this team's highs can be as as high as any in the conference. I, I mean they're lethal when they are rolling. But their lows can be among the most like just unearthly yeah. lows yeah. uh for a team that has as much talent as they do. I mean they are the, the roller coaster uh, that has been Texas basically since Mac Brown l- left um, continue this year. It's, it's the same old Texas. Well, they do have talent. We know that um, they don't always do much with that talent, but you got to start with B. John Robinson, who I just absolutely love. He's a more of a prototypical running back than Deuce Vaughn. The two best backs in the Big 12 will be meeting on this day. So that's always a good headline. B. John's carrying the ball about 20 times a game for 115 yards or a game. And, and those are pretty that's leaning pretty hard on one guy for a team as talented as Texas. And, and it's, it's funny that you bring that up because I wrote this down as something that I really wanted to highlight. 
And you've got a guy like B. John Robinson, who entering the season was among kind of the favorites uh, from from Vegas, from odds makers of being a, a Heisman finalist. I mean, he has the makeup of being that player, and there's no doubt about it. He's going to be uh, one of, if not the top running back whenever he so chooses to enter the NFL draft. He is that dynamic of a player. But what is really puzzling to me is you've got uh, a guy like B. John Robinson, who, as you correctly stated, averaging about 20 carries, and he's been averaging about 20 carries not only this year, but uh, the 2021 season as well. And yet, of the games where against Power 5 opponents where Bijan has failed to get 20 carries, oh, coincidentally, Texas is 0-5 in those games. And yet, one of the things that we heard coming out of the Oklahoma State game loss for Texas was they got away from the ground game. You have Bijan Robinson blistering Oklahoma State in that first half. Quinn, you were struggling to throw accurate passes. Roshan Johnson, his backup, a veteran, big body back, uh, who also has kind of a a side of electricity to him that you wouldn't really expect for a guy his size. He's steamrolling Oklahoma State, and yet they go away from him. Um, It's really weird. They're they're six in the Big 12 in rushing per game and eighth in the Big 12 in in rushing attempts. It, It boggles my mind, Fitz, how you've got a guy like Steve Sarkeesian who could really lean on Bijan Robinson, on Roshan Johnson, and yet here they are kind of middle of the road in terms of rushing. If they can get and if they decide to get Bijan Robinson going, it can be a long day for any opponent, but so far, Fitz, they just haven't chosen to kind of ride that train. And they put a lot of stock in Quinn Ewers. I mean, he played great against Alabama. They lost. He got injured um, in that game, and They've been waiting for him to come back. He comes back. He starts leading him to wins, and then he looks awful at Oklahoma State. And I'm not, I'm not trying to take away from the Oklahoma State defense. Well, I am. I didn't see much that they did that really made you were so bad on that Saturday two weeks ago. They've had a week off preparing for K State. 19 of 49. Yeah, he threw for 319 yards, but he had two TDs and three interceptions. And he just wasn't accurate all day. Do you have any ex- explanation for what went on in that game? Well, I do. And, and this is just from my own kind of insight, watching the games and kind of reading between the lines, if you will, checking out the numbers and that sort of thing. And I, I, I chalk it up to two things. I think the first part of it is I think there was just a lot of pressure riding on Quinn Ewers, a guy that, let's be honest, had not had a lot of college experience until this year for all the hype. He didn't play hardly at all at Ohio state. And then he comes to Texas and is in a battle with Hudson card for most of the off season ends up kind of winning the job gets injured. So he hasn't played the full season this year. That was actually his first true road game at Oklahoma state. And I just think that sometimes he feels the pressure both literally and figuratively. He, for a guy who is, um, was fairly accurate, you know, in, in high school um, and is, is fairly good on the run. I mean, he's more mobile than you would think. Um, I, I thought he doesn't handle pressure well at all. And I saw Oklahoma State start to say, okay, we're going to bring some extra bodies here and fluster him. Because if you let him sit back in the pocket, he can be pretty good. Um, but then I think the other part of it is I don't think Quinn Ewers has gotten very much help at all from his receivers. If you look at um, what I'm going to call like his spray chart, where he's throwing the ball across the field, everything seems to be between the numbers. Sixty, More than 60% of his attempts come between the numbers. He's not looking outside, and I just think it's because guys aren't open. It, it's a lot of check downs, or it's a lot of Xavier Worthy being kind of this one-trick pony. He's, he's running goes or he's running posts. I mean, that, that's all he does. They can't get Jordan, Jordan Winnington the ball either. Um, and so, you know, you've seen them really rely on a three-man monster of Worthington, Whittington, and Jatavian Sanders. They're tight in. And there's just been no rotation. They haven't been able to get any depth, uh, uh, you know, for a program like Texas that should just have limitless depth at skill positions. There's really nobody else that's really pushing them in terms of uh, of snaps. And so you've got these three guys and, you know, Worthy hasn't, 
been consistent in terms of his route running, in terms of his pass catching. And so then I go back to, and this kind of gets back in where, where K-State fans will understand, Fitz, they lose a guy, chose to lose him, in fact. Uh, I don't know if it was firing or just asked him to hit the exits. A guy like Andre Coleman, who's the wide, wide receiver position coach for one year under Sark last year, they bring in uh, Brennan Marion, who had all these accolades as being Jordan Addison's position coach at Pitt last year, the Blitnikoff winner. And if you look, the, their PFF grades in terms of how they're you know graded by P pro football focus are way down at receiver. Uh, they're not blocking well. They're not running their routes consistently well. And I think as K-State fans would appreciate, Andre Coleman was one of those guys that, you know, Kate, Texas fans didn't like Andre Coleman because he wouldn't go out and recruit the, the playmakers. And I get that to a certain extent. But he could, he could develop your wide receivers and have them do the little things. I think the Texas wide receivers aren't doing the little things, and it's compounded by the fact that Quinn Ewers hasn't really been as good as advertised. And therefore, in a long-winded response, Fitz, we're seeing this passing game just not be as dynamic as it should be and could be. Xavier Worthy is one of the better athletes in the Big 12, and yet he gets four and a half catches a a game. I, and it did appear dur against Oklahoma State that he was on a different page sometimes from his quarterback, ran some wrong routes, maybe broke the wrong way. So maybe there's a lot going on there that we don't see. <clears throat> but still, I think Texas is doing a lousy job of getting the ball to the playmakers, particularly when they get away from their running game and those two running backs who are so special. Um, I, I think they're leaning too much on their quarterback who isn't proving to me that he's a guy that can go out and win games when you can probably turn around and hand the ball off or dump it out of Worthy in the flat and let him make some plays and probably be very successful doing it. Thousand percent. And and you're echoing a lot of the same sentiments that I've heard this week, brushing up on some of the opponent, you know, material that's out there and listening to some Texas podcasts. There's a lot of that fan base that, and media alike that, are clamoring for uh, being able to get Xavier Worthy, being able to get Bijan Robinson more involved in screens and, you know, reverses and things out in the flat, as you mentioned. Um, it, it amazes me the way that Texas uh, strives to hit home runs when they could probably still get the big electric dynamic highlights out of, you know, the short game because they have the weapons that can create on top of those instead of trying to manufacture the 60, 70 plus yard bombs downfield, they could get 60 and 70 yard chunks if they just, you know, believe in their playmakers that are talented enough to do it to create for themselves. And yet, and yet they don't. And I think it just goes back to the entire mindset that is Texas. It's, it's wanting the sports center highlight um, instead of, you know, being able to create that sports center highlight from a play that maybe doesn't show up, doesn't pop as much on, on video. It, it's, it's the, the whole program mentality that I think they've gotten away from since Mac Brown um, left that program. Yeah. They really do seem more focused on serving the egos of players um, you know, exactly. try to spread the ball around. It's, I don't know. It, it fascinates me that Texas has had success because they have a really young offensive line. In fact, at one point against Oklahoma State, they were playing three true freshmen on the offensive line. How does that happen? I mean, how does Texas have such bad recruiting that they're starting true freshmen? I don't understand it. I can't grasp it. But I think the key battle in this game is that young offensive line against a pretty experienced and dynamic front three, you know, four if you bring – Khalid Duke off the edge for Kansas State. Can that offensive line hold up under the pressure of K-State's pass rush? Well, I was going to say, I think that's definitely the area to focus on when you're talking about uh, Texas's offense against K-State's defense. Uh, obviously, everybody's going to key in on, you know, how much or if Daniel Green can play against Bijan Robinson. You know, can Nick Allen and Austin Moore continue what they what they showed against Oklahoma State against a guy like Bijan Robinson? And then obviously a lot of the talk will be on Xavier Worthy against a Julius Brents or an Echo Boydo. But I, I really think it's going to be, you know, one in the trenches in terms of the offense versus the defense here, because 
you know, if there's one area that I do think Texas has done a good job with Fitz and recruiting, it's getting back to getting really good offensive linemen. They, they went out and prioritized offensive line in this last cycle and they got some phenomenal players. And that's why they're playing as freshmen. And this is a massive, but young offensive line. They average six, four and a half, 319 pounds fits. If you go and look at the NFL's top graded offensive lines, what many believe to be the best offensive line in football right now might be the Philadelphia Eagles. This college team that K-State's about to face is as big or slightly smaller than what the Philadelphia Eagles roll out there every Sunday. They are massive. And, you know, you heard Mike Gundy talk about it. They wear people down because of how big they are. I think they've protected fairly well, but K-State's coming off uh, one of their best games of the season up front. Brendan Mott was fantastic. Felix Anudike Ozama, this is an NFL draft-type game for him. He can really put some great stuff on tape against players that are highly thought of by NFL scouts. This is the area that I think will, I don't want to say, I shouldn't say win or lose the game, but I think you're going to be able to get a, be a, it'll be a clear indicator of who could have the advantage. K-State, if they can get some pressure uh, on this uh, offensive line, and they might have to manufacture it a little bit, um, I think that frustrates Quinn Ewers. I think that could take B. John Robinson out of the game a little bit. Uh, it's huge for K-State. One other defensive question. How important is it to get Daniel Green back? We found out at Tuesday's press conference that he was fairly close to playing. We were under the expectation that he wasn't close to playing, but he tried to go at least to back up Nick Allen. They need him in the middle in this against this running game. As good as Nick Allen played against Oklahoma State, Bijan's a different beast, literally. And I think the physical presence of Daniel Green is almost essential to success in this defensive game plan. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit maybe the opposite. I, I think they – well, I don't think. They need him. They want him. Everybody everybody understands that, especially against Bijan. But in this particular matchup, again, the way that I was referring to uh, Texas's approach on offense this season, they're not using Bijan to his max versatility. Uh, the way that we see K-State kind of get Deuce Vaughn in mismatches, for whatever reason, Steve Sarkeesian – and Kyle Flood, the offensive coordinator, have kind of been unwilling to do that. And so I wonder if K-State might be able um, to bring some more pressure and some more added guys into the box to help Austin Moore, to help Nick Allen, because I think the way that, that Texas's receiving core has been so up and down this season, as long as you leave one or two safeties over the top, uh, I think Julius Brents and Echo Voido have proven themselves worthy enough of going man-to-man or, you know, even in zone, having just one guy over the top where you might be able to push some of those safeties down and get a little bit more speed to contain Bijan Robinson inside with a Nick Allen and Austin Moore. So, yes, I would love to see Daniel Green on the field, um, but do I think K-State could get by without him? Yes, I think Bijan could still rack up some yardage, mm. but uh, I'm I'm not as concerned as maybe I was last week against Oklahoma State against an offense that – is a little bit more versatile and flexible than what we've seen Texas show. Okay. I buried the lead, so let's flip it over to the other side of the ball with K-State's offense against a, a pretty sound Texas defense, certainly gifted and athletic. Who would Coach Ryan Wallace start at quarterback, Adrian Martinez or Will Howard? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um well, I, I, I'm going to be frank here. For for as good as Will Howard has been uh, over the course of the last two weeks, I understand the argument of kind of uh, don't turn away from a hot hand. Um, but I think you still, if, if the plan all along was to redshirt Will Howard and you see what you might be able to get out of him next year in, in a season that I think K-State's going to need uh, a seasoned hand maybe at quarterback losing what we would expect to be a bulk of the offensive skill players. Um, I would go back to Adrian Martinez, but I think the caveat here is, you know, if the offense seems out of sync, if Adrian struggles, you now know what you have in your back pocket. You now are more confident in bringing Will Howard in and, and taking Adrian Martinez off. I don't know if it's good, <clears throat> excuse me, to go with a quarterback carousel 
because I just don't, there haven't been a lot of examples in college football history of that working well, but um, I, I would go back to Adrian Martinez and, and here's why in this particular game too, I think the threat of the run is really potent against the Texas defense that has just been average at best uh, this season. I think they've been really susceptible to uh, play action and guys that are able to scramble and spread the field from sideline to sideline. They're very undisciplined, a lot of penalties on both the offense and the defense for Texas. Um, And so I I like Adrian Martinez in this particular matchup. If he can go um, to be kind of a consistent hand, maybe he's not going to open up the offense as much as we've seen Will Howard, but against this particular defense, I don't know if, if K-State needs to. Um, and so I, I would go with Adrian Martinez, start him if he's healthy. And then again, don't be hesitant if things aren't going right to, uh, to give the ball back to Will Howard. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with this. And also, I want to say that I'm all for Adrian starting if he's ready to run, if he's able to be mobile, because that's what he brings that will give Texas problems. They have not handled mobile quarterbacks very well this year, and Adrian might be on that page. Does that allow Texas, though, with Adrian in the backfield with Deuce Vaughn to kind of load up the box and say, hey, go ahead and throw it. You haven't consistently shown you can do that. Well, and, and that'll be the interesting thing. Again, just like it was with Texas offense against K-State's defense, I think this game will again be dictated in the trenches when K-State has the ball. Because technically speaking, statistically, you're looking at the number one run defense in the Big 12, only 3.3 average yards allowed. Um, they've been good against the run, but they haven't pressured. And I think part of the reason they look good against the run is not because – you know, people are running it uh, at a very low accuracy or low efficiency against K- against Texas. I think it's because their pass defense has been that bad and that susceptible um, that offenses haven't need to run the ball as much on Texas. Um, but I, I do think, you know, that'll be interesting. And I, I think Adrian Martinez provides a wrinkle, though. I think Texas can be really good, you know, when it's a first and 10 and it's a design, you know, you know it's going to be a handoff. They're good at that. But I think in a lot of this RPO stuff where you are forcing, you know, the the forwards and the overshones at linebacker to be assignment sound and to carry out those duties, I think that's where Texas can be uh, prone to making some mistakes. And so I, I like Adrian Martinez. I like K-State's run style um, that we saw them have against, you know, Iowa State and some of those early earlier games, I think that they can go back to that uh, this week against Texas. Does K-State get this done? I think so, Fitz. I really do. And for as much as I've talked about the things in the game and where Texas is susceptible and where K-State can, can have some strong suits, I think that, that history and some of these outlying factors in the game is where I like K-State to get it done. Steve Sarkeesian and Texas beat themselves in 10 losses at Texas Fitz. The Longhorns have held a lead in seven of them. Uh, They don't know what to do when adversity strikes. They seem to wilt. And again, it's that whole mentality of guys at the Texas high school level that have been stars that have never put themselves in that level where they start to kind of go against the, the mold of, of it being a team game and trying to do things individually and it throws everything out of whack. Uh, I also look at weather here, Fitz, and it's weird to say that, but Texas in November games outside of the state of Texas, north of the state of Texas, four and six in their last 10, they're one and six in road games under Steve Sarkeesian. They've lost five in a row. And they're also, again, going back to that whole mindset of pressure, they're not used to, I think, being underdogs or, or at least not having a statistical advantage because against top 25 opponents uh, since 2019, they're three and nine. And against top 25 teams on the road since 2012 in the last decade, they're two and 11. I think K-State is more consistent. I think K-State is more disciplined. I think K-State has momentum on their side after last week's performance. And so I, I look at a team like Texas where – if things aren't going their way, 
you know, where it's a close game, um, where it's a team, a, a game that's under 30 points. I think they start to point fingers. Um, and again, I think they get uncomfortable when you're looking at temperatures that could be low forties. Uh, that's it, it's right up K-State's alley. And so I, I like K-State to get this done. Could be a close one. Um, but I, I just, I see Texas wilting um, in this type of situation where I think K-State knows they have the goal in their control, which is playing in Arlington. All they've got to do is get things done. I think they're really motivated and they're a team that's united to get this done. One more while we're on a roll here. Is Texas reading too much into winning five straight in this series? Because I look at the last two and I think last year's was kind of fluky based on a horrific offensive game plan and execution. Just just a game that was out of sorts for Kansas State and then the pandemic game in which Kansas State honestly shouldn't have played the game, but they did and they got blown out and the running backs ran all over the Wildcats. I feel like they're putting too much bank into what's happened, not just the last five years with Texas wins, but the last two in particular. Yeah, and it's surprising when you listen to you know the Texas media and the fan base this week. Um, not that they're not giving K-State their due credit, but again, it's a Texas side that feels like if they just go out and play what they're capable of playing, they should win. But it's, it's like that every week for Texas. And it so rarely happens. Um, and, and you go back even further than the pandemic year, 2019, Texas and K-State one score loss for K-State 2018, one score loss for K-State 2017. Remember that one double overtime loss for K-State K-State's not getting whipped in this. Um, it's, it's, they, they've just had some things that haven't gone their way specifically, you know, not having Skylar Thompson last year and then a COVID year in 2020 among other things. So it surprises me, but it, it doesn't surprise me how quietly confident and calm Texas is heading into this one. I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock on history in this one. Cause I think, I think that just further motivates K state. I think they know they've been really close to getting it done against the Longhorns. And now they have all the pieces in place and a relatively pretty healthy roster comparatively speaking to what we've seen them have the last one or two years he's ryan wallace and he covers football recruiting and helps out with team coverage at go power cat wally appreciate it very much and now let's wrap up the first half of this power cat pregame podcast with our weekly player interview and we went this week with the offensive lineman most likely to become a dad and have barbecues every weekend in his backyard. That's Hayden Gillum. The down-to-earth guy from western Kansas is now the starting center for the Wildcats, and he's always entertaining. Let's start our discussion with Hayden Gillum with his thoughts on how the Cats played in that amazing victory last weekend over Oklahoma State. Um, we played good. I think collectively it was probably one of our best performances as a unit playing together. Just felt like we were together. I think I think that's the biggest thing when you're when you're all on the same page. Um, I thought our pass protection held up really well. Great communication. Um, we're moving around and working as one. When you go back and watch film, how much joy does it bring you to see how the Deuce Vaughn run was blocked and the Cade Warner screen was blocked? I think. Um, I mean, it's awesome. You you love to see that. You love to see Deuce head to the end zone and not get touched. And same thing with Cade. But you look at all those plays, and it's just the working is one. Like I said, you know, everyone's finishing, everyone's playing downfield. I think that's exciting to see, and that's what Coach Riley was most excited about as well. It's just seeing everyone playing together, and everyone it's an, everyone enjoys it. It makes it makes it fun when you see plays like that. Have you seen the Hadley Panzer block on that screen? Yeah. Uh, and I didn't need to apologize to someone. He, he might need to call somebody's family. I don't know. Um, he definitely got a hold of that guy. And Hadley's strong in his upper body. And we know that. So you don't want Hadley to get a hold of you. Uh, that was awesome. How much fun are you having playing? I'm loving it. I'm loving every minute of it. Um, it's been a it's been a long journey to get here, and there's been a lot that's went on. But to be able to enjoy it with these guys and the people around me are, are what truly makes it great. I mean, winning's awesome, but when you're doing it with your best friends and amazing coaches and people that believe in you, eh, it's spectacular. When you've been on that journey like you have, at what point in replacing Noah, who was pretty established a position, do you realize 
this is mine. This is mine now, and I'm in charge of this. Yeah, I think I think that was actually one of the biggest transitions is when you come from, you know, you're a backup, you're a backup, switching your focus, saying, all right, this is my time. This is my show. I can do this. And it just came with confidence, and the coaches helped instill that in me. You know, um, for my first game this year, Coach Anderson, he came up to me, and he goes, you know, you're going to have a great game. And he said, you know why? And I said, why? And he goes, because you're a great player. And, like, stuff like that goes a long ways. And to have guys that believe in me next to me, um, it's just been special. That was Kansas State center Hatem Gillum. And on the other side of the break, we've got a lot more analysis of this game between K-State and Texas, starting with an interview, a quick one, with King Felix. Felix Anudike Uzama, K-State's dominant rush end, joins us on the Powercat pregame podcast right after this break. And don't forget, we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama. We'll be right back with more of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. One half of our show is in the bank, and here we go with the second half. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast. I am Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and now let's get into our second player interview. I don't know when I've added in a second player interview, but it's now what we're doing apparently because I wanted to get King Felix into this show after another great performance against Oklahoma State. He's going to be called upon to maybe have some game-changing plays in this game against Texas. we got Brian Hanley standing by right after this, but first, let's hear from Felix Enyuduke Uzama. How good is it that you guys are getting pressure with three or even four guys and able to cover on the back end more? Uh, it's 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 incredibly like it's very incredible because um, we get to have drop have eight guys in the backfield covering, which is like more guys in the backfield just creates more time for us to get back there and create sacks and create havoc in the back in the sorry in the backfield. My fault. When you see that you're getting single blocked on your sack, they bring a running back to chip. Anytime you get single blocked, you just kind of lick your chop 
stops knowing you got a good chance to get to the quarterback? Yeah, um, I saw like there's like a stat or something like that. Every time I got single blocked, I got a sack or something like that. Which every time I see that, I just like I, I get very excited because I feel like it, like I'll take anybody one on one versus anybody. I'll, I'll take me all the time. So because I have that much confidence in myself and I've been practicing in practice all the time. So it's just it's amazing thing to get one on one just once in a while. But I rarely see that nowadays. So how is your guys' depth on the defensive line maybe allowed you to stay a little fresher, especially in a season where you've been beat up a little? Um, our depth is all right. I feel like it just um, I feel like it just credits to the offense, honestly, because they're more, the more times they're on the field, the more uh, breaths that we get, and with more um, energy we have to rush the passer and get more uh, havoc in the backfield. So it's not really just I don't feel like it's just a depth. It's just uh, I feel like it was just credit to offense to be out there more so we can ha be out there less and perform well. I think the last couple of weeks you had uh, Nate got his first sack and then Brandon seems to really be coming on. Oh, yeah. Like the thing with us is like we're a very like uh, athletic group of defense ends. We're not we're not terribly big like a lot of the recruits that they recruit uh, like other schools recruit are they want big defense ends that fit their size and stuff like that. But we're way different than that. We're defense ends are more athletic and I feel like it's better to have more athletic defense ends because it's better to get the job done. So yeah. Tell us about Eli Huggins and his game. Uh, he's a technician. Not just Saturday. Oh, Eli Huggins, he's just a technician in general. He um, he just, we call him a tech guy because like every, he his, his technique in uh, playing the defensive tackle is amazing. We're probably the best technique I've seen in Power Five ever. And like we always, um, we always preach to him how like, like I said again, like how he's um, very, he's not the most, he's not the strongest guy. He's not the fastest guy like D Hens. He just knows how to get his way in the backfield and know how to play uh, certain blocks and stuff like that, which is amazing. What does a win like Saturday do for this team? Um, it gives us more confidence, honestly. Like I said before, like we have confidence to go to the Big 12 championship and win it. And us winning, we just played a like what Clyman said, we played a very perfect game. We had a lot of fans that were like ecstatic. The fans were like crazy, which hyped us up even more, like to even make more plays on defense and interceptions, like everything that we done. But this win is crazy. Um, I this win is like giving us momentum to uh, basically win out. So. Hopefully we can do that this whole season. That was Felix Anyaduke Uzama as we continue our preview of Kansas State and Texas Saturday night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And a reminder that we're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. And now we bring in... The giant SUV, the oversized Durango. There we go. That's better. Of college football analysis, our own Brian Hanley. Brian, <laughs> uh, I think the running back NIL deals are so perfect to explain these two football programs. I can't get past it. Bijan Robinson is driving a burnt orange Lamborghini, and Deuce Vaughn is driving a purple Hellcat charger from robin's motor company and i feel like hellcat is the favorite nickname i've ever heard for deuce vaughn because that's exactly what he is he's slow to the ground he's shifty and he's explosive he looked like deuce vaughn again last week against oklahoma state he hasn't quite been as crisp as we've known him to be looks like he's getting healthy doesn't it it does. It does. I mean, it. you know, injuries sometimes it depends obviously on the person, but, and it depends on what it is. Sometimes it's a week. Sometimes it's a couple of days. Sometimes it's a month. I mean, you just never know. And then there could even be times when your body feels good one day. And then for the next three days, it feels awful. Then it feels good for three weeks. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, the body is what it is, but yeah. he's looking good. He's looking good. He looks like he feels better. He's playing better. There were a couple times that he came out of the game after a run, looked like he may have aggravated a little bit, but for the most part, he looked good. You know, everything you said about injuries and, and time periods, when you get over 40, they, they go from days to weeks to months to years. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm on a long run of having feeling bad for years now. Um, I don't think I could play on Saturday fast. No, no. <laughs> uh, 
Um, B. John Robinson, as we flip it over to the other side of the ball, this kid's special. I love him. As much as I love Deuce Vaughn, I, I don't understand why Texas doesn't give him the ball 30 times in a game because he is big, physical, and is, is explosive as Deuce Vaughn can be once he gets past that first line of defense. You're in big trouble if he's not on the ground. Yeah, I mean, he's really really good and i know the fun thing is the is the bad mouth texas and we don't like them and i don't like them but they got good football players and this guy i think is the best of all of them i mean he, he's really that good he's going to play on sundays a long time he's literally that good i had someone tell me i i would never anymore uh draft a running back in the first round of the nfl draft but i might with Bijan. You know, yeah. I mean, it's it's the he's the asterisk. He's that good, um, and I I think really it's going to come down to can K State keep him bottled up enough where Quinn Ewers has to put the ball in the air because last time out they took last week off with the bye. Last time out against Oklahoma State, he was not accurate at all, and again he was another young quarterback that as soon as he saw some pressure in his face, his accuracy just plummeted, and I think really. That front seven for Kansas State is going to dictate this game. Yeah, it will. And we can get after them, too. And we can get after them. I mean, I know – and Texas has a lot of good football players, but for some reason here recently, it used to be a strength. That offensive line has not been a strength at all. Um, it's, it's a problem. I, I think that that's where K-State's biggest advantage on the day is, is going to be controlling their offensive line and literally getting after the quarterback. Yeah, it's a really young offensive line. They've got freshmen and sophomores, true freshmen and sophomores across that line as they're really rebuilding. I don't know how their offensive line talent got so, you know, low at Texas. It doesn't make any sense to me that they have to be that young. But here we are. They've held up relatively well this season. But I also might question outside of Alabama the type of defenses they've seen uh, so far this season. I think K-State with Felix and Yuduke Uzama and Eli Huggins and the other defensive ends, Brandon Mott has really come on. I feel like the Wildcats can generate enough pressure with three or four men to keep Texas's offense honest without selling out so that the running game becomes really troublesome for the Cats. Yeah, we're going to have to do that. Going to have to do that because you cannot uh, – I'm just – we know what Robinson is. We just know what he is, man, and he can run that football. We're going to have to contain him, but when it comes to the air, you want to confuse a young quarterback. And the best way to do that, outside of blitzing, that confuses the line more than anything, puts pressure. But just rush with four so you can disguise coverages to confuse the young quarterback. You know, but I think that is going to be our best bet in being able to stop him. Play sound against the run, get into passing situations, and then just dominate the line of scrimmage with four. Don't have to bring five, six. You know, if we can stay out of those situations, then we'll be just fine. Absolutely. That this K-State defense really thrives when they can kind of sit back there and keep the ball in front of them and prevent the big plays as long as they can maintain a running game. Uh, When we flip it over to the other side, I feel like K-State's offensive line played its best game of the season as I went back and watched the Oklahoma State game again. Um, I I really am blown away by how in sync they were as a group. That was uh, really fun to watch. If you appreciate offensive line play, putting in the tape of the K-State-Oklahoma State game is pure joy because the offensive line was marvelous. This defensive front is big and athletic for Texas. Can that translate to this game against a much more physical and uh, sizable defensive threat from Texas? I mean, it can. I mean, other teams have moved the ball on Texas, so it wouldn't be out of the realm for Casey to to move the football on them. I mean, Texas, they they can be had. Now, their back end, I think, is is worse than their front end, I, I guess. Um, if I can say that on the air, but (laughs) (laughs) having said that, I I just think that our advantage is still our offensive line and going down the field. I I just think we can dominate the line of scrimmage. I just do. I know they got some big, strong, super athletic guys on the front seven. They do. But the one thing that I've said from the very beginning of the season, 
Kansas State is a good football team. And Kansas State's offensive line is a really, really good offensive line. So you can have good guys over there. That's fine. We got them too. And I think that that, that's just our strength. Our strength, offensive line play is our strength. And we've seen it. The games that we've struggled, they haven't played well. The games that we dominate, like last week, they played outstanding. It's just that simple. It's very interesting to me going into this game because K-State just doesn't have a decision to make. And Chris Kleiman has this decision to make. Who starts at quarterback? But I think it's become very clear the K-State offense is different with these two guys. They might want to deny that, but it's pretty obvious that Will Howard is a much more big threat to throw the ball. I mean, he can get the ball downfield. He's doing it with a lot of confidence and a great deal of accuracy. Well, Adrian Martinez can really slice you up with the running game. Now, both can do the other thing, but it's clear 9 a.m. is a runner. Big Will is a thrower. Um, which do you think K-State needs to use in this game, and does that pretty much dictate who you start at quarterback? Um, well, I, I, I want to say, as far as let me answer the, the second question first. As far as what we need to do, well, I don't even remember what you said first. I apologize. <laughs> the bottom line is, I think that K-State's got to stick with Will Howard. We got to stick with Will Howard because he's the hot hand and, and Adrian Martinez is not going to be 100% healthy. Yeah. And if he's not 100%, you can't put him out there to fail or to get in trouble or to do anything because it's not fair to him because the team is playing extremely well right now. And if you put him out there and he's not 100% and can't do the things that we are trying to do, then it, number one, it may not work. Number two, it's just not fair to him. And it's not fair to the team, more importantly, because the team is playing well. Will Howard is doing the things that they're asking him to do. Look, the game plan has changed. We all know it. You can see it. Anybody who doesn't even know football could watch a game and watch another one and see, hey, they do things differently when this quarterback is in versus this one. And right now, throwing the football and opening it up is what we need to do because I've said it all along, we have a running back, and he's really good. And it's not that Will Howard can't run the ball. We can use him in certain situations to run the ball. But he's just right now, he's just a better passer than Adrian Martinez. It's just a fact. It's not a slight on anybody. But facts are facts. He's just throwing the football better right now. And maybe he's in a groove, and maybe Adrian can get in that groove, whatever the case may be. But right now, we got to throw the football that sets up everything else that we're trying to do. We're being ultra-aggressive, and it is working. you got to stick with it. Yeah, I, I agree with you in that way. If you're going to throw the ball, it's got to be Will. If you're going to really lean into running the ball, it's going to be Adrian. But if he is banged up with that knee, uh, that kind of defeats the purpose of starting him if he's not able to run the ball like you want to. It's it's going to be really interesting to see what Chris Kleiman does because I, I think he still has a desire to try to protect that red shirt for Will Howard, uh, but I just don't see how you can at this point. You've got to have him ready and able to go – even if it's for a couple series, maybe Adrian stalls out and you want to get in there and loosen that defense back up. I'm not sure how they'll do it, but it's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah it is. And, and you know, what you said in the, the post-game podcast the other day about the red shirt, which I, I totally forgot all about and that he has the, the COVID year. But my thing is this, and follow me, is – We've got a really good recruit coming in to play quarterback. If we're trying to save a red shirt for a guy to have him be around for basically another three years, and we have this quarterback coming in that we all think is as good as he is, that is going, I mean, I don't know that we need, we need to try to win and go win the big 12 right now. And let's worry about other things down the road, down the road versus trying to hold on to a red shirt. In my opinion, and number one or number two, if Will Howard's as good as what we all think that he can be, he's not going to stay for three years anyway. Right, I agree. That's just my my opinion. I agree. I think you uh, are in, you're in a position right now where, um, as much as you might want to preserve that, and you might want to give him all the opportunities he can have to play college football, uh, you got to worry about this season because this season yeah. you have an opportunity to 
go 10 and 2 in the regular season. You really do. And this is the biggest hurdle left on the schedule. Not that there's any ones easy to clear. You go to Baylor, well, that sucks. You go to West Virginia, much better in Morgantown than anywhere else. And then you have KU come in and they'll have their quarterback back under center by then. Nothing's easy in this conference. But if no. K State plays like it did last week, I, I don't know who's going to hang out with K-State. If K-State plays somewhat like they did last week, no one in this conference is going to beat K-State, and that includes if they run into TCU in the Big 12 title game. Yeah, if K-State plays that well. If they, I mean, and we saw it last week, or not last week, two weeks ago at TCU in the first half. If they just keep their foot down, they win that football game. I, I firmly believe that. I, I just do. Now, injuries had a lot to do with it. Don't get me wrong. So I get that part of it. I just think if we're still ultra aggressive, we win the game. And if that same team, that I believe that same team showed up against Oklahoma State and it was just a domination. And if we play three quarters to that, then we're not losing another football game the rest of the regular season. I can assure you of that. If if we get that type of performance, we're not losing another game the rest of the regular season. But more importantly, we will win on Saturday. Yep. I am going to be very interested in this game. As we mentioned earlier in the podcast, Texas has won five straight, including a really disappointing performance to end the regular season last year for the Wildcats down in Austin. I just thought that was a clunker, a turd in the punch bowl uh, to get real technical. Um, and then, uh, you know, then you had the COVID year and they're awfully fired up down at Texas about how their running backs cut through the K-State defense last time in Manhattan. I got news for them. Neither one of those games represents what this team's about. And, no. Uh, you know, there's nothing, you know, monolithic about K-State football. Every team's a little bit different. And this team has a little bit more peskiness to it than I've seen in a little while for K-State. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to, to to deal with things two years ago and say, hey, guess what we did the last time we were there two years ago. I mean, the teams are completely different. K-State was running on a skeleton crew. You know, it's just a roster in general. So if that's what you're banking on, it's going to be a long day for Texas. I agree. Thank you, Mr. Hanley. We'll reconvene after the game sometime on Sunday, I assume, to do a post-game podcast, hopefully after a K-State win. Absolutely. Thank you. And now let's hear from Coach Chris Kleiman. The big question all week long is who will start at quarterback for Kansas State against Texas. And since we only talked to him on Tuesday... He wasn't quite ready to make an announcement. And honestly, it's probably a decision to be made right before this game kicks off. Here's Coach Chris Kleiman on his injury situation, not just with his quarterbacks, but also with middle linebacker Daniel Green. What are your thoughts as of now on who will start at quarterback? Um, We'll find out how the week goes. Uh, I don't have that answer now. I I know that Adrian's closer. Um, I think, you know, Adrian and Daniel Green are the two two major ones that missed. Um, And I I know that Daniel Green's closer. And so um, nobody that played in the game on Saturday did we lose. And we're hopeful to have more guys back. Given the way Will's playing, does it change your mathematics on the red shirt or not? And you need to have him probably available to play all the time. Well, it, it we still got to play that out um, based on Adrian's health, based on Will's health. Um, it, it does, uh, but you know it's easy to say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna shelve you," and then maybe something that happens, to Adrian and Jake, and you got to pull it or. Adrian's healthy and you can you can hold him. You know, I, I've got a visit with Will about that. I, I know how Will feels for now, but I want to make sure he understands the future too. Um, but right now, he's the healthiest guy we have back there uh, of, of the two. And so uh, that's why he knows he's got to stay a viable candidate. And now let's talk to Ryan Gilbert about this weekend's betting action. Do you like the word action there, Ryan Gilbert? I do. I do. You're all about the action. We got a full slate of games. I feel like we haven't had a full five games in a very long time. What are all these teams doing taking the season off or weeks off or whatever they're doing? It's not fair. Well, Texas has got an advantage over K-State, right? Yeah, that's how it worked out when K-State played TCU after an off week. It doesn't work out that way. We'll see. We'll see. You just don't know. Maybe it breaks your rhythm. Maybe it makes you better, gets you healthy. I don't know. But let's start picking games here. There's not been many spreads quite like this one in the Big 12 this year. TCU is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over Tech in Fort Worth. Um, 
text left me really confused because I thought they were good, and then last week they were awful at home against Baylor. So now I've lost all faith in, well, in everything, in everything. I thought Tech was taking care of business, and now Tech apparently isn't good. What do you think about this game? I shared the same feeling as you. I mean, I think the Big 12, a lot of teams in this conference are inconsistent, but Tech certainly is one of those teams. Um, but I I just don't think TCU is the, the seventh best team in the country. I, I truly do not think that. They're a good team. They're a quality team. But you look at their schedule, uh, they're favored by about 10 here against Texas Tech. And the only game they've won by 10 or more was against Oklahoma when Gabriel went out with that injury. So most of their games have been relatively close. So I think Texas Tech is is good enough to keep this one within you know single digits. But again, you never know which team you're going to get on Saturday. And that game's at 11 a.m. on Fox, so if it's a blowout, the whole world will see it. But maybe Tech will play a competitive game. I haven't decided who I'm picking in that. I, I, I literally don't know what I'm doing this weekend. Well, that's true every weekend. Oklahoma, a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the previously mentioned, aforementioned is the right way to say it, Baylor Bears. I feel like Baylor might give them problems. Am I an idiot? No, you're not an idiot. I mean, it's only a three and a half point spread, and the numbers, the analytics actually tilt towards Baylor in this game. Uh, obviously, you know, home teams have been successful this season in the Big 12, but the offenses, I think, are pretty similar with Baylor and Oklahoma, um, especially now that Gabriel is back. Maybe Oklahoma has a, a slight edge, but Baylor's defense has given up 100 less yards a game than Oklahoma this year. So I, I think you probably just take them to win outright. I mean, three points is, you know, that's obviously a little cushion there if you bet Baylor, but I think Baylor's got a chance to win this game. And again, that's another inconsistent team, right? They've they've lost to West Virginia, whose only win is against Baylor, right? So I think it, it depends, again, which, which version you get, but I like Baylor in this game for the road upset. Interesting. That's Not many people will see it because this game is on ESPN Plus Big 12 now. So it does happen to Oklahoma on occasion, especially when they're not very good. West Virginia. At least they're not playing at 11 a.m. What's that? At least, yeah, not. at least they're not playing at 11 oh, a.m. Yeah, no Our doubt. fans would never let us hear the end of it. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how these things happen to poor Oklahoma. West Virginia at Iowa State. Boy, these teams stink. Um, 2.30. <laughs> uh, also on Big 12 now. Uh, ESPN Plus, which, you know, we actually want this game not to be seen by many people. I I don't know, man. Iowa State's a seven-point favorite over West Virginia. And, look, I understand the spread from what's happened this season, but I'm also not confident that Iowa State can score a touchdown to get up by seven points. <laughs> yeah, you stole the point. That I was going to make right out of my, my mouth here. I, I think the under is probably the better play here. 50 is under, which isn't, you know, insanely, you know, it's a, it's a pretty low number. So I, I just anticipate this game being a low scoring game and in low scoring games are obviously close games. I mean, I like West Virginia here, but if, even if Iowa state is to win, it's probably like a, like a 16 to 13 type game. I don't see them getting over the hump by seven points or more. So like you said, I do understand why the line is where it's at. You know, both teams are, you know, West Virginia is not good. I'm not trying to defend them at all. But, you know, West Virginia plays a lot faster. They're going to, you know, run more plays. So I just, I don't see how Iowa State pulls ahead by more than a touchdown in this game. I mean, field goals are going to be, you know, Iowa State's got a really good defense. We're, we have to give them that. Um, so I think, you know, West Virginia might just live off of some field goals, but I don't see Iowa State winning by more than a touchdown here. So I like West Virginia. Well, you sell Iowa State awfully short by just saying they have a good defense. They have a good defense and an awesome pedestrian bridge. <laughs> yes, it's true. This Which is true. probably accounts for a couple of those points in the spread. Huh. We won't have to talk about their offense, though. That's good. Um, next game up is Oklahoma State at Kansas. Kansas is still competing in football. I thought maybe they would just quit this year after losing three straight, but they're still going. They're still out there, man. Uh, 2.30 kick. Uh, this is the first of uh, two road teams favored uh, in the Big 12. Oklahoma State's a two-point favorite at KU. Gills, I wish I knew who was playing quarterback for KU because if they get Jalen Daniels back, I pick KU. 
I think really? o- I think K State broke Oklahoma State last weekend, and I don't think Spencer Sanders is healthy. And we saw his backup quarterback. Uh, I K, you might win this even if they don't have Jalen Daniels. Your thoughts? Interesting. I disagree. I mean, I think there is quite a bit of an overreaction um, to what happened here in Manhattan last week. And I, I don't know if, if Oklahoma State wins that game. This line, I don't know how much different it even would be, but Oklahoma State's going to take a good look in the mirror after a loss like that, and I think they're going to get things right. Mike Gundy's a real good coach, and I don't think this season's going to, you know, just spiral out of control for the Cowboys. It could, um, and it could get, you know, go, go, it could go from bad to worse against a team like Kansas. A loss to them is never a good thing. Um, I'll disagree with you. I just think Oklahoma State's a better team, and you know, I said it all along that, that Kansas would come back down to earth at some point. Now they've lost three in a row, and K was off last week, right? So you know, maybe they've had some time to to get better, make some adjustments, improvements. And Leipold's a good coach, so Fitz, I can see why you think KU can come out on top. But I mean, playing at home, most Big Twelve you know atmospheres give home advantage. That doesn't happen in Lawrence, at least not this year. So. I like Oklahoma State here. I just don't feel confident uh, to put to put money on Kansas. Mm, that game's at two thirty on FS1. Whatever happens during the course of this game, I hope it happens quickly because it's the lead into the final game we're going to talk about, which is Texas at Kansas State at six p.m. on FS1. Uh, I'm saying that expecting the Astros to at least win one more game in the World Series, forcing Game 6, which will fill the time slot Saturday night on Fox. There. Texas is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Ryan Gilbert, you are my connection to the betting gods, to the overlords of all things gambling. You are my higher power, and I am a man with little power. Explain this spread to me. How I think you how you need a new religion fits if you're if you're looking at me as as some sort of god <sighs> you got you got to look in the different direction but you know fits I really I don't like either side in this game and usually I with K State specifically I you know I lean one way or another I, you know most of us that go power cat the bet on it article is going to be up um, in the morning as you're listening to this. I'm pretty sure pretty much everyone's going to pick K-State. I don't see it as a gimme victory for the Wildcats. Don't let, you know, Texas's record uh, tell – don't, you know, form your opinion of this team. They're a very talented bunch. Obviously, you look at the coaching, I think K-State has the edge there. But, you know, just the talented players that Texas has, it's going to give them an advantage in this game. And we said it last week, you know, why Why is Kansas State favored against Oklahoma State? It just didn't make any sense to us. And look what happened, right? Now, this week, I think most people here in Manhattan are saying, why is Texas favored against Kansas State? There might be a reason there um, that we, you know, may not know about. Texas is coming off of a bye week. So there are reasons that lean towards Texas winning this game. Obviously, if K-State plays anything similar to the game that it had last week against Oklahoma State. Win, cover, no doubt about it. They're going to see Pearl, Texas. But that 60 minutes of football was perfect, and I don't think that's sustainable. They can, you know, obviously have some flashes, and they can get some drives sustained, score some touchdowns. But, you know, I don't see this team doing that again this season, at least for a full 60 minutes, right? That was just dominance on really all three phases of the football. So I I, I leave. Texas here. I do hate to say that. I'm probably alone on an island saying that, but uh, you know, you look at it and Texas is favored. It doesn't make much sense, but you know, maybe Vegas, like I always, you know, love to say, maybe they know something that we don't. And you know, the quarterback situation for Kansas State's, I think, an interesting one. I think we've talked about that a, a whole lot throughout the week. You know, who's going to go? How how long of a leash does that starter, you know, have for Kansas State and? We'll see what happens throughout the game. K-State's getting healthier and healthier. Um, just, I, I feel like this might be a little bit of a letdown opportunity for Kansas State. Texas is coming off a bye and fits. Let's not forget that, you know, Texas, they got K-State this week and then TCU next week. They're in the driver's seat if they win those two games to play in Arlington. So it's not like their season is over. They're still playing for something right now. 
Um, but they've got to get that win against Kansas State. So, but I do unfortunately lean Texas here. You loser. Uh, but look, Vegas doesn't know about the Tim Fitzgerald absolute lock betting rule. When a Texas team comes north and it gets cold, and by cold I mean below 60 degrees, don't bet on them. Don't bet on them. They they won't like this it at true. all. Yeah, we'll see if true. that plays out. Thank you, Ryan Gilbert. And that wraps up our expert segments in the show, our interviews, and we're just about finished off with this preview of Kansas State and Texas. It is a huge game for both programs. Texas wants to stay in contention for the Big 12 championship game, and losing this one would probably remove them from almost all opportunity. K-State, meanwhile, can better secure its grip on that second spot. It currently sits alone in second, the Wildcats now can further that lead by knocking off another team trying to steal that spot from them. We'll see if that all works out. But the one thing I want you to watch during the course of this game, can Kansas State's defensive line get adequate pressure on Quinn Ewers and this Longhorn backfield without bringing a lot of extra pressure? If Felix Anudike Ozama, Eli Huggins, and everyone else can get adequate pressure without committing more than five players up front, Texas is going to have a lot of problems. If King Felix breaks loose against Texas and gets into the backfield on a regular basis, look for bad throws, turnovers, and other problems to follow this Texas offense. I think Kansas State is in pretty good shape in this game for all the reasons we've outlined throughout the course of this show. But the rush, the ability of K-State to maintain that Texas offense without bringing a lot of pressure with blitzes, I think we'll rule the day for the Cats. We appreciate you listening to our PowerCat pregame podcast. And as I mentioned, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, where they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company is the title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. It's the Longhorns and Wildcats at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, 6 p.m. on Saturday night. As of now, the game is scheduled to be on FS1 if somehow the Phillies end up winning the World Series four games to one and there is no game six, then this game will slide to Fox. It's going to be a huge night at the Bill, and the Bill has been absolutely rocking so far this season. And nobody coming to town is quite hated as much, including Kansas, as the Texas Longhorns. And it doesn't sound like Texas is giving much respect to Chris Kleiman's program or this team or these quarterbacks or anyone. We'll see if the Wildcats can get the job done in a five-game losing streak to Texas and continue to be in the hunt for the Big 12 championship. That's it for this week's show. Make sure you check out all of our coverage at GoPowerCat.com. If you're a VIP subscriber, you can get my five keys to victory and game prediction at G. PC. For everyone at GoPowerCat.com, I'm Tim Fitzgerald, and we will see you at the bill. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat podcast, all rights reserved, GoPowerCat.com. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.